Broadcasting from Oshkosh, Wisconsin, and we'll be joined shortly here by Matt McLean out in Altoona. And the Packers had about as routine of a victory as you'll see in the NFL, defeating the hapless Tampa Bay Buccaneers 20-3. to And while it was quite an unimpressive, rather unmemorable win due to the Philadelphia Eagles losing to the Washington Redskins on Saturday, it means that for the sixth consecutive year, a franchise uh, tying mark, the Packers will be headed back to the playoffs and now have an opportunity to showdown or have a showdown with Detroit at Lambeau Field on Sunday for the NFC North Division Championship and the number two seed. And Matt, um, yesterday during the game, as you well know, I was real frustrated with the way things were going. Uh, today I'm a little less so, uh, still some concerns about the offense and uh, the way they've played the last couple of weeks, but at the end of the day, uh, I had to remind myself that the Packers are all human, and if they're anything like all of us watching yesterday, it was apparent after about three Josh McCown drives that if they didn't throw six interceptions, there was no way Tampa was going to beat them. Yeah, absolutely. And as you mentioned, this game was pretty forgettable. It, it's one of those games two years from now you look back and somebody brings it up and you're like, no, I don't remember that game at all. <laughs> it's just those, and you're right, it felt a lot like the Bills game. Mm-hmm. Um, except for the fact that the Packers didn't make those costly mistakes and the Buccaneers offense couldn't do anything. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think once you had a touchdown on the board, you almost felt good with the way our defense was just playing lights out as well. But I, it's kind of strange to see McCown play that bad. I know their offensive line is bad, but uh, yeah, that Buccaneers offense. I mean, Doug Martin had 1.7 yards per carry. <laughs> Josh McCown had a QBR of 2.5, just really bad. Yeah, and there was a lot of concern about uh, those big wide receivers, and we never accounted on the fact that McCown couldn't get the ball anywhere near them. Yeah. Um, I mean, they weren't all that open to begin with, but, yeah, just a pitiful performance on all fronts. The Buccaneers ended up with just 93 net passing yards and 109 total yards. And I didn't look that up. I don't have to to know that that's got to be one of the lowest totals against the Packers. Uh, certainly in my recollection, the only one that might rival it is uh, the game that you and I got to see in person, that absolute classic that they talk about today. That was Tavares Jackson's first start with the, <laughs> yes. the, the Dave Rayner game-winning field goal a couple days before Christmas. Actually, in about the worst weather you can imagine for football. Yeah, now that I think of it, I think... Uh, because Christmas Eve would have been on a Sunday because we watched those, so that might have also been on December 21st uh, of that year. So, (laughs) yeah, that was a a weird game. I don't know if we want to go too in-depth into this one because obviously there's a a big one looming, and I don't imagine a lot of people are going to be consulting this uh, archived episode once the Detroit game happens. But uh, 
I don't know. Any uh, any glaring concerns? Uh, I know Aaron Rodgers has kind of a calf injury. I don't know how that's going to affect him. Are you worried at all about his play kind of flat two weeks in a row? I mean, yeah, it's a little bit concerning. I, I'm sure he can turn it around a little bit, but you know, especially against a defense like this, I guess this concerns me maybe a little bit more than the Bills game even is because you knew that was a good defense with kind of our weakness on mm-hmm. against our offense, but the Buccaneers' defense is bad. Yeah, and, and Gerald McCoy didn't even suit up. I mean, yeah, he's their it, only good player. It, except the, the only thing I kind of take south in is that you could, by watching the game, you could tell that they could have what they wanted. It's just they couldn't capitalize. They missed field goals. They they didn't convert on fourth down. They just couldn't couldn't convert it into touchdowns. So it felt like it could have been a lot more lopsided than that. Mm-hmm. You look at the stats, and it was pretty good. But you obviously like to see them capitalize a little bit more. I think that's my main concern because we've kind of seen that throughout the season. Yeah, and especially the last couple of weeks that that red zone offense is just not where it needs to be at this point in the season. Aaron Rodgers, at the end of the day, had uh, 31 completions on 40 attempts, 318 yards, and a touchdown. That's a quarterback rating over 100. His longest completion was only 30 yards. But, uh, yeah, I I guess I'm not all that concerned. I made a comment to you, uh, and he redeemed himself, but the way he started off the game uh, having the a cold... I know we've referenced this a lot, and it just seems like it's something that irritates Aaron is that he's compared to Favre and he wants to win that toughness argument. Well, you concede the toughness argument forever if, you know, you're comparing yourself to a guy who led the NFL in touchdown passes with a broken thumb on his throwing hand, and then you self-destruct against a 2-12 and team because he got the sniffles. <laughs> with a cold. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he didn't self-destruct, so he recovered after that, but for a while there I'm like, are you serious, bro? Yeah. Well, at least the cold will be gone for next Sunday. Yeah, yeah, it was a good time to get it. Maybe he should go walk around uh, in Detroit's uh, soon-to-be hotel room and maybe cough a little bit and use some <laughs> <laughs> use some of their pillows and whatnot. Um, I don't really have anything to add that I didn't add last week about this offense. It still seems to me that despite how effective Eddie Lacy is, this team just doesn't want to use him. Uh, case in point, that goal line. Why did they not give it to Eddie Lacy four yeah, straight that was times? Really strange. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the announcer said something about, man, it sure looks like they really want to get Rodgers the touchdown here. And I was like, yeah, I guess you maybe don't want him to go two weeks in a row without a touchdown when he's going for the MVP. I guess maybe. Who cares? And, yeah, McCarthy doesn't seem like a guy who would care about that at all. Yeah. Um, yeah, and when it's working. But it, it almost seems certain that there was something going on that they wanted Rodgers to throw a touchdown pass. Because to get all the way down the field using Lacey and then to completely give up on it right down at the goal line was really, really strange. Yeah, and I'm sure Rondé Barber thought that they shouldn't have gave it to Khan there. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's like if you not watch football for the last, like, he would have played against him for multiple games. I'm sure too. That was so weird. Yeah, and it's like the whole crowd chants for him. Uh, he's one of the most high-profile players on a high-profile team. Believe it or not, uh, everybody in the world knows it's not John Con. Yeah. <laughs> um, another. I guess we hopefully um, next week. I, I would imagine we get Buck and Aikman back and. For as much as Packer fans, not you and I, but uh, the Packer community laments any time that Buck and Aikman are the uh, group announcing the Packer game, they're, the, the sound of their voice is going to be a, a, a sweet sound coming up on Sunday because I miss those guys after some of the schlubs that have called our games recently. Yeah, say what you will about them, but they're way better than the alternative. <laughs> Rondé Barber, I didn't even know he was announcing games, and that was really, really bad. <laughs> yeah, that was not good at all. He start, he talked about the Tampa Bay Bucks like he had his sheet upside down, and he thought they were two, uh, 12 and 2. Yeah. He, 
but I thought that was maybe just a little bit of homerism. Um, one thing I will bring up that has probably been obvious to people smarter than me all season, but uh, just was reiterated yesterday, that the Packers had 431 yards of total offense, 131 to Randall Cobb, 113 to Jordy Nelson, and 104 to Eddie Lacy. Um, that certainly makes me nervous going in against a defense like Detroit and certainly uh, looking forward to Seattle, that you're that dependent on three guys. Yeah, and I, for how good Devonta Adams looked at, at times during the year, he's been kind of hot and cold. I wasn't too pumped for the game he had yesterday. Mm-hmm. He just seems to have these drops, and it kind of reminds me a little bit of Jordy early in his career, too. He kind of did that a little bit as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but Jones. he's got to turn it on. I mean, he's your number three. Right now, you need him. And, um, he, you know, you really can't depend on Corliss as your tight end either, I don't really think. So mm-hmm. it, I, it, I think it is what it is. I mean, you let guys walk, you let guys go, you're going to end up with a little bit thinner rotation out there so I think they really just need Adams to step up yeah he's definitely got to step up I imagine Randall Cobb hearing a cash register every time uh Devontae Adams drops a ball yeah absolutely because that's helping his uh, case immensely and Jared Boykin I feel like they took one shot at him yesterday uh and you know the, the Buffalo game he wasn't so well I would be curious to know what the heck happened to him like is it a mental thing is he you know got the Stabby thing going on, or is he just not that talented? Because uh, I think you made the comment last year on the podcast that at times he played like Donald Driver, uh, you know, mm-hmm. down the stretch when him and Flynn had a nice little thing going there, and he never, maybe that's the thing, he's never really had that connection with Aaron Rodgers, and I'm not sure why. Yeah, and they used him a lot more in the beginning of the season, but as soon as Devontae kind of started that number three, it's like he hasn't even seen the field, it seems like. Mm-hmm. I think he's a guy you can still utilize some, but they've just completely left him off the game plan. Um, I mean, as a number four receiver, I'm I'm okay with him being your number four. I think he can step in and, and make some plays. He's shifty, he's quick, he catches most balls most times, but uh, yeah, he's just not getting a chance. Maybe maybe if Adams keeps dropping him just for the rest of the season, maybe you think about switching the rotation up a little bit just because I maybe trust Boykin a little more at this point. Not yeah. nearly as explosive and doesn't have the potential, but maybe right now he's your better option. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see if they try to work him in more if uh, Adams can continues to struggle but then again you know you're getting late in the season you kind of are what you are at this point yeah. uh, you just got to hope that the guys you've chosen play better but let's stop delving on the uh, negative here and let's talk a little bit not delving's not the word dwelling was the word i was looking for um let's not dwell on my poor word choices and also let's not dwell on the poor offensive play of the last couple of weeks and let's turn to the defense who had another solid performance albeit against another horrible offense but Geez, how many sacks did they get yesterday? I'm trying to count them real like fast. Like seven, I think. Yeah, seven. Uh, seven sacks, yep. Clay Matthews with two, two and a half. Julius Peppers with two. What do you make of this defensive performance? Is it helping you uh, feel more confident about their prospects in the playoffs, or do you just chalk this up to them playing two absolutely pitiful offenses? I'd say it gives me some extra confidence. I mean, this offense is really, really bad, but you do have two really good receivers on the outside that you kept in check. Um, their offensive line is miserable, mm-hmm. but the defense played really well. It's not like Tampa's only scored three points against everybody all year. I mean, they've put up some points at times. So although it's a bad team, you still completely shut them down. You looked super dominant. Morgan Burnett maybe had the best game I've seen him have as a Packer. Um, just yeah. everywhere. And Clay Matthews had only two and a half sacks. It seemed like he had about six himself. Um, <laughs> just just all over the place. So they all played really, really well. And it's a really bad offense. But 
what else could you have asked for other than that? Yeah, I mean, I was going to chalk it up to how bad the offense is. They're 31st right now in the NFL, but still, uh, you know, taking that into account, 100 yards is not many yards. Um, this team, as bad as they have been, still being an NFL team, it looks like they've been averaging about 292 yards of total offense a game, which is very bad. But to basically, I mean, this looked like a high school mismatch yesterday. Yeah, it wasn't close. Yeah, and so I think they definitely deserve some credit. And they're not playing a much better offense coming up this weekend. Uh, granted, the weapons are there, and they've proven they can do it in the past, but it's been 15 weeks I think that this Lions offense is not all that great, and the Packers playing at home definitely are going to have an advantage. So at least for one more game, you got to think that there's a chance this defense can continue this kind of dominance. Yeah, I think so. It'll probably be a low-scoring game again, but you kind of hope that this defense has, since that first Lions game, has gotten a lot better, and it seems like the, the Lions offense hasn't really. So maybe that's just the edge that we need. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's break down the Packers-Lions game near the end of the show, I was going to go into another discussion, uh, one we actually texted to each other last night, about Seattle and what them beating the Cardinals means, and uh, obviously everybody knows my opinion on Seattle and how, uh, last week I talked about how I don't like the prospects of this team in Seattle very much, and I think you'd have to be... Uh, very optimistic to expect them to win in Seattle. But before we say doom is gloom, or, or, or doom and gloom, before we talk about doom and gloom, let's just hold off on that. Let's wait to see what happens next week. Uh, we'll see where the Packers' seating is. And it's Christmas time, so I don't want to talk about how things are That's horrible. Right. Let's be optimistic. Maybe they can turn it around. So let's maybe just save that conversation for the playoffs when we know the actual matchups. Yeah, I mean, we've got a chance to enjoy a really big game this weekend again. Um, I mean, just like last year, you think about the disappointment in the playoffs, but hey, that, that Bears Week 17 game is something we'll remember forever. So let's not look too far ahead and, and think that we're going to be losing very shortly in the near future. Let's try to enjoy, a, hopefully, a victory. Plus, I really want to hear Steve Winwood next week at the start yes. of this podcast. Yes. So that's enough incentive in itself for the Packers, <laughs> I would think. Um, any other glaring things that happened in the NFL this week that you want to touch upon? Um, Johnny Football got hurt. That's kind of sad. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I don't uh, know. Apparently he got booed, and Cam Newton was real upset about that. I saw that. He got. Were they in Cleveland? No, they were in uh, Carolina. So, oh, okay. I was he got booed for getting injured is why he was upset. Gotcha. No, I mean, other than that Philly game, which was a big surprise, I mean, it, it seemed like it maybe had the makings of an upset, but I didn't think Washington had any chance to outscore that Philly offense. Mm-hmm. Um, that was pretty surprising to me, and obviously works out in our favor, so I didn't get to watch that game, but that's a, that was a pretty big one for us. And then Dallas just blowing the top off of Indianapolis 42-7, to that was kind of surprising as well. Yeah, Dallas really seems to be peaking at the right time, uh, to steal a cliche from every other sportscaster in the world right now, but... Um, but then again, Indy always gets its doors blown off by good teams, it feels like, so I don't really know what to make of that. Yeah, Dallas is good, and Indy isn't that good, I think, is pretty much it. <laughs> yeah, um, so the NFC playoff field almost completely um, determined. The only one left out, the, the seeding is all up for grabs, but the only two teams that haven't been decided yet are Carolina and the Falcons. I don't want to do the full picks this week because it's been kind of late, and we have till Sunday, so we'll just post them on the Facebook page. That'll also give me a chance to tally up uh, our season 
uh, picks. But who do you like in that game? I believe it's at the Georgia Dome, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think Atlanta's kind of scary. I don't, <laughs> I wouldn't want a piece of them, and luckily we won't, won't have that matchup, I wouldn't think. Um, I no, guess there is probably Dallas. a scenario where that would happen, uh, if we lost, but, I mean, they really seem to be clicking. It's this team that's had some potential, but has looked really bad for about a year and a half, and then all of a sudden they're seeming to find it again, and it's with a healthy Julio Jones, which I think seems to make all the difference in the world for them. Mm-hmm. So I think they're a lot better than Carolina, and I think they're a scary team to see in the playoffs. So I think they win this game at home, and I think they win it pretty easily, and I would not want to go to the Georgia Dome to play them. Oh, I, would, I want Seattle to go to the Georgia Dome so bad. Yeah, me too. Um, they... Not going to happen probably anymore, but... <laughs> no. Yeah, it's uh, pretty much a 0% chance of that happening. And Well, I don't know. I like Jeff Fisher at uh, CenturyLink Field against Seattle better than I like Jeff Fisher at home against the Vikings. So uh, there's a little bit of a chance that team always plays up to their competition, it feels like. Yeah, it's possible. If, if you have somebody to have a chance, it's somebody who's already beat them this year, I guess. So they at least know what they have to do. There's a pretty good chance that if Seattle loses to the Rams and then the Packers lose to Detroit, that I, I'm just going to be nowhere to be found at this time next Monday, <laughs> because that would drive me absolutely nuts. Yeah. Um, what about the AFC? Um, Pittsburgh clinched. There's a scenario in which the Cincinnati Bengals could fall from six all the way out of the playoffs. San Diego had a nice comeback win. The Ravens took a step back yesterday. The I think the Texans still have a chance, and who else? I think Kansas City might still have a chance. Who do you like to fill out the rest of that playoff field in the AFC? Oh man, I'd have to look at the bracket here real quick, but um, in the schedule, I guess based on without looking at anything, uh, if I'm just thinking about the best teams, well, I guess we've got Denver and New England at one, two. Mm-hmm. Andy's got the three. Uh, the four probably. I think Indy's locked in the four now after locked losing in the four. Game. So Pittsburgh to win that division, and then you'll have I think Cincinnati and so pretty much between Baltimore and and um, San Diego. San Diego, yeah. I guess I I maybe like Baltimore better. I, I'll, although you lose a bad one yesterday, I think I'll take Baltimore to get that last one and three teams out of the north. Yeah, Baltimore hosts the Browns, so they have a good chance. And I think the problem with that. Um, Cincinnati could conceivably lose the next two. I think if you think Denver beats them tonight and Pittsburgh's yep. going to win the division, then I would say Cincinnati is out of it for uh, most likely because if either San Diego or Baltimore win, uh, and San Diego's at the Chiefs, so I don't expect them to win that one, but uh, if Baltimore or San Diego wins, then that would eliminate the Bengals with two losses. Sure. And I'm suspecting that's why they got chosen as the Sunday night game because they really like the matchup where one team – has to win to stay in it at all. And so I think the attraction of the Lions and Packers in what might be a really low-scoring game for really nothing but playoff positioning is not as attractive as playing for a division title and uh, Cincinnati potentially playing for their playoff lives. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I think, you know, at this point I would really like to see San Diego get in again for the same reason last year as I tend to root for the better quarterback when you get a chance to see these playoff teams, but I really like Peyton Manning and I really like Tom Brady, but I am getting tired of this AFC playoff field being almost identical for like 10 years in a row. Mm-hmm. I'm ready for some new blood in there, but obviously it doesn't appear it's going to happen this year with, and oh my gosh, I do not need to see another Andy Dalton playoff start. No, yeah, if the Bengals don't make it, I will be just fine with that. <laughs> yeah, so I guess uh, just to throw that out there, I think that both the I think the Ravens are definitely going to make it, and 
you know what? I think I don't know the the, the tiebreakers, but Houston hosts Jacksonville, so they might have a reasonably good chance to get in if if San Diego's not going to win. Uh, I don't know what has to happen with Kansas City, but uh, that would be interesting. To see. Yeah, they probably need a few teams to lose, I would think. But I don't know if that would be interesting. I don't want Houston in the playoffs. Come on. Uh, go Ravens, I guess, and go Chargers. And keep these crappy quarterbacks. I'll never forgive the Bengals and Texans for their snoozer back-to-back <laughs> yeah. series. I'm I'm tired of those teams. Get some new quarterbacks before you come back. Uh, that's all I have to add about that. All right, well, there's a lot of interesting football coming this week. Uh, it's the last full schedule where even as exciting as it is that the playoffs are starting, I always am a little sad when you have to see the Browns and Dolphins and, and those type of teams. Eli Manning's Giants, once again, just fall by the wayside. You don't get to watch them for another year. And uh, I don't know, are, are there any particular bad teams that you're going to miss, Matt? Bad teams I'm going to miss. <laughs> yeah, don't you ever get a little bit attached to some of these crappy, scrappy teams and, and yeah, be sad when they leave? Um, I don't I don't know. I was kind of on the Cleveland bandwagon earlier this year, but they're so bad offensively now, they're hard to even root for or watch at all. Mm-hmm. I didn't really get on with anybody this year, I, I guess, except for Arizona, and they're going to be in the playoffs, so <laughs> it, I'll at least get to see one more game from them. They're, in terms of the bad teams, I guess, nobody really stuck to me this year. I'm going to miss Charlie Whitehurst's Titans. That was kind of fun watching them on Thursday. I can't believe I watched that game, but I did. Uh, I was going to say, I didn't even know he started that game. I didn't watch any of it. Yeah, he did, and they actually gave a shout-out to his dad, David, the former Packer quarterback. Nice. So, Yeah, I'll, I guess I'll miss him. And I know our sister Bethany will definitely miss him. She loves some, her some Charlie Whitehurst. All right, well, a lot of serious football talk coming up uh, next week's show. There's going to be a lot of fun games on Sunday and hopefully some memorable moments in the, a positive manner for the Packers. But we are just a few days from Christmas. I am sipping probably the last pumpkin ale that's around anywhere, uh, so I'm going to enjoy this one. But we're going to do a crossfire, but not your typical Green and Gold Forever crossfire. We're going to do a Christmas-themed crossfire to get you ready for the holidays. <laughs> So that signifies the beginning of Christmas Crossfire, where uh, it's a long-time segment where all year round we just throw Christmas topics at one another, and then we... Uh, <laughs> no, that's not actually the case, but we, we're just going to have fun with one of our regular segments. Um, if for some reason you've never heard this show before, uh, we do this quite often, and check out the archives because they're quite fun most of the time. Matt, I'll let you start. Uh, what Christmas topic do you want to debate here today? Well, I guess on the topic of your pumpkin ale you're drinking there... Um, what would be your favorite Christmassy alcoholic beverage to consume? Oh, that's tough. Um, Bailey's is very good. Um, I can't remember the name of it. I think it was at one of the Sam Adams seasonal packs. They had like a maple lager last year. It was had like a hint of syrup in it, and it was super awesome. That sounds good. Yeah, and I actually looked at some of our uh, specialty alcohol stores around this area to try to find a six-pack of it, and I could not find it, and I have not yet bought the winter holiday Sam Adams pack to see if it's in there yet. But Yeah, they make you buy the whole sampler to get like two bottles of it usually. Yeah, it's a smart idea on their part <laughs> to make you do that, but... Uh, yeah, that would be my favorite. Either Bailey's or whatever Sam Adams Maple Lager was last year. 
Yeah, that's good. And there's always good brandy slush around too. Oh a good yeah. One. I think I, I think I'd go with the classic old fashioned though. I'll, I'll go with the brandy old fashioned. It's got a nice little Christmassy spice in there. I think that's my standby. Yeah, that's a good one. Our family makes them with maple syrup sometime. You ever had one of those? I haven't. Oh, you got to talk to uh, Aunt Jill. She'll hook you up. I will. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have a question for you that came up as I was driving home from work today. Banish one Christmas song from the airwaves forever. You'll never have to hear it again. What would it be? Ooh, we were kind of talking about this a little bit the other day. I have a couple that I really don't like. Well, Santa throw Baby's them all this just way. yeah, Santa Baby's really terrible. <laughs> um, Jingle Bell Rock is also equally terrible. Except for those two, they're at least like little fun ones that you listen to. You can at least you know whatever. It's, it's Christmas time. You can put up with it for a little bit. But do they know it's Christmas time? Might be my least favorite. <laughs> as bad as that sounds, because it's made by it's Band Aid, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It, and it's for, like, world relief or whatever they were going for at that time. I think it's Hunger in Africa. Yeah, and but I, it just played constantly, and it just makes me sad and depressed, and it's just, I don't even think it's a good song. So if I never had to listen to that one again, I'm pretty happy. <laughs> I actually kind of like that song, but it does make me wonder if any of these people went to school, because I know Africa is barren in spots, and there's some deserts, but the... Nothing ever grows, no rain or rivers flow line is very incorrect. Uh, yeah, that's not true. Yeah, the the longest river in the world cuts right through Africa uh, in the Nile. So come on, guys, let's let's figure it out. Um, I was going to say Grandma got ran over by a reindeer. Cause, Ooh, yeah, I don't hear that one as much anymore. Oh, that song stinks. I haven't heard it's it. Real this bad year. though. But on the way home, my answer played on the radio, and that is that Twelve Panes of Christmas song. Um, where they're upset about hangovers and stringing up the lights. Have you ever heard this song? I don't think I have. Oh so it's God. like a play off the 12 Days of Christmas, but... Yeah, it's horrible. They play it all the time on WIXX in Green Bay. They would. Yeah, they would, and it's <laughs> awful. And I'm pretty sure that if somebody I knew and liked said they loved that song, I would rethink my relationship with them, because it's just the worst song ever. So I would banish that for sure. Based on my time in Green Bay, I can just picture all the old people there that <laughs> just like absolutely love that song and talk about it all the time. So yeah, yeah, I haven't heard that song yet though over here. Well, avoid it at all costs. It's not worth the curiosity. <laughs> I will. Um, all right, my next question for you is: What is along the lines of not liking something here on Christmas time? What is your? I'll say either a combination of least favorite or most overrated. I guess you kind of go on by how popular it is here. Okay. But what is your least favorite Christmas special? That's popular. Um, that's popular. Um, I guess I would have to sit here and think a long time to to get a super correct answer, but there's got to be one you don't like. I don't really like Rudolph that much. Okay. I, I know, um, Mom loves it, <laughs> but I it, it's kind of creepy. The the message is sort of messed up. <laughs> yeah. Um. And compare it to, like, some of the others, like The Grinch and, and Charlie Brown and all the classic Christmas movies. Like, the, the Christmas movies that I watch all the time, I love almost all of them. And uh, so I would say, Rudolph, there's just something about it. I always want to like it more than I do, and uh, I don't, I guess. Uh, Frosty the Snowman is kind of in that realm, too, where yeah. I, I always feel like I should like it more than I actually do, but Rudolph wins. Yeah, there's some of those, I would say, both Frosty and Rudolph that I really liked when I was younger, and now you watch them, and it's, they're just kind of eh. Rudolph is kind of a weird one when you Frosty's think about actually eh. That's all that <laughs> But I guess I'm going to say I, I don't like Charlie Brown, and Ooh. it's uh, 
I think it's well documented that I can't stand the sound of Linus's voice and how much <laughs> saliva he has in it, um, which may be one of the main reasons. But I guess that's reason enough for me. I just don't, I don't like Charlie Brown at all, like any of it. I don't like the way the kids talk or anything. So I guess I'll say Charlie Brown anything. I actually like the Charlie Brown one, but it, it that's kind of sad. Like at at some point, you just get really upset with how mean they are to Charlie Brown and. Like, the Great Pumpkin's even worse, just how cruel everybody is to Linus, and the whole town hates Charlie Brown. It's like, I don't know what they were thinking when they yeah, were Yeah, they're that. jerk kids. Yeah, jerk adults, too. They're giving them rocks, and <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's horrible. All right, now we're going to kind of go into uh, our area that we usually talk about. What's your favorite Christmas football memory? This oh, could be man. Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, uh, anything around that time. Around Christmas, um, Steelers game in '95 is big. I mean, we were a little young to maybe appreciate it quite as much there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess for Christmas one, I, I might go back to what you brought up earlier—that Vikings game. You and I went to Lambeau mm-hmm. Field to watch the Packers play the Vikings, watch Brett Favre, and what we thought was going to be one of his last home games at Lambeau. Um, and it was slop. It was rainy. It was like 34 degrees and rainy, and just miserable. Mm-hmm. A low-scoring game, but it was—I think it was my first game at Lambeau, mm-hmm. and. To see them win like that on a close one and watch the crowd, although it was just nasty outside, just go crazy and leave the stadium cheering, go pack, go. And then we had Christmas, I think, two days after that, so that was pretty awesome. Yeah, that one's definitely up there for me. I still have my Favre Forever uh, towel, or For the Love of the yeah, Game, I think it says. That's right. I can't believe that didn't get destroyed in that rainstorm. Uh, that They won that NFC North Division title game against the Vikings on Christmas Eve in 2004. Oh, yeah. Um, That would be up there, but I had to miss the second half because we had to go to church. And And that 04 Packers team was kind of gross, too. Yeah, that's what kind of was weird about that game is you were so excited that they won, almost out of shock, but you knew they were, like, one and done for sure in the playoffs. Uh, The other ones for me, the Martin Gramatica miss game in 2000 is always a big one. one. But I gotta go with the one you mentioned before, the Yancey Thigpen drop game. It's one of my first really big in the moment Packer memories. Like, I remember watching games and being happy they won and lost, but that one was just so big, and I got to watch it with my dad and my uncles and my aunt, uh, just people who have been Packer fans since the Lombardi era, and the way they reacted to the Packers winning a division title was like a, a a big moment for me in my growth as a Packer fan, just realizing yeah. how much it meant to them to see him finally win a division title. I didn't even know there was division titles at the beginning of the 95 season. Um, and to realize that it was so big was just really cool. And uh, that one definitely is up there for me. Yeah, giving me goosebumps just thinking about it. That was one of my <laughs> first big Packer moments as well. Like I, I remember games, obviously, from the few years before that, but that was really the the first big step that they took for us in, in a long time, to be honest. So that yeah, was a huge one. For sure. All right, your turn. All right. Uh, what is your favorite Christmas song? And if it correlates with it, who is your favorite Christmas song artist? Oh, man. Um, I think I... It, it's it's tough. Like, uh, just kind of a fun, jolly Christmas song. I really like It's Christmas All Over Again by... Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Even though he says again? Yeah, I, I love the Tom Petty agains and all the okay. other stuff, because I'm a big Petty fan, so that helps. I used that as the intro to our Christmas show last year. But uh, for me, I mean, 
I'm not the most emotional guy in the world, but hearing uh, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas, I think it's Frank Sinatra or one of those kind of Rat Pack guys. I mean, I almost well up every time I hear that song. It's just so good, and, uh, yeah, I, I think that's my, my vote. i got to look up who... Uh, it is Sinatra. That's mine. Okay. So I, oh. I know that one. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's absolutely my favorite. There's some other good ones though. A Christmas Story's good. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, what else is out there? Michael Bublé's got some new stuff that's pretty good because I like the Rat Pack stuff and the Crooners when they sing those songs. I, I like all those kind of ones. Yeah. Where are you? Uh, where do you stand on the John Lennon Happy Christmas one that gets a lot of play? Is that the So This Is Christmas? Yeah. I'm not a big fan of that one either. So he's got that one, and the Beatles have that other Christmas song too, and I don't really like either of them. Yeah, I, I think like... you're thinking of the McCartney one, not. The... Am I? Yeah, okay. that's the simply have. Oh, that one's that terrible. One. Yeah, that's McCartney. I guess I don't know the Beatles one you're thinking about. Oh, okay. I thought that was the, all the Beatles, but just McCartney, I guess. No. Yeah, yeah. I, that Lennon one's okay. Not my favorite one either, though. I, I like the Lennon one. I'm a Beatles fan, so that kind of skews that a little bit, but. Um... Yeah, I think it's a little bit overplayed, but uh, I think it's uh, fairly uh, included into the classics, I will say. All right, I have... You kind of answered this before, but I'll say this one for last, because my other one's not quite as Christmassy. So this is football again. One of the things we used to get a lot for Christmas and birthdays are the old starting lineup action figures. And so this is not quite Christmassy, but it has to do with what we got for Christmas... What is some of the coolest starting lineup figures that either you had or I had or we saw at the store and were never able to get? Ooh, my favorite starting lineup was my Eddie George Oilers figure. (laughs) That one was awesome. I don't think I got it for Christmas, but I always liked the Oilers jerseys, and Eddie George was so awesome back then. Um, A sleeper one I had that was pretty cool is I had this Lamar Lathan Panthers one. Mid-pass rush in the Black Panthers uniform, that was probably my uh, number two. But Eddie George in the, the Blue Oilers one. Yeah, those are solid. I was always very envious of both of those figures. I actually was thinking of those as I wrote them down. Um, I had a really cool home uh, silver Seahawks Joey Galloway. That one was cool, yeah. Yeah, that one was pretty boss. Um, I'm trying to think of some other good ones. I had Marino. That was okay. Um, I'm going to stick with the Joey Galloway one. That's definitely the best one I had. I saw an Antonio Freeman one one time in the white uniform. I wasn't able to get that. I wish I would have got that one. Um, what about practice Brett Favre? Is that your That favorite? was the worst one. <laughs> yes, I had Brett Favre in these gray little shorts <laughs> in this weird pose. That was my least favorite one. And like the old college like belly jersey, like yeah. Brian Bosworth. So, yeah. And he, he was doing like a, a stop, don't shoot kind of pose, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah, his, he had his both hands up with his elbows cocked. Yeah, so uh, that one was the worst figurine for sure. Oh, by the way, all of those, I looked them up on eBay one time out of curiosity. Completely worthless. Um, yeah, they're like a dollar a piece. We could get every one we ever wanted on there right now. Yeah, basically. So that's uh, definitely guessed wrong on that one. Somewhere in an attic, there's uh, some starting lineups that's still in the box, and uh, they're probably worth less than the box that they're in. All right, your turn. You got one last one for me? Yeah, last one for you here. Just kind of an overriding question. What is the, the thing you look forward to the most? What is your favorite um, moment during the Christmas season, your favorite tradition? Man, you should have went after mine because this is much more sentimental. Well, that's okay. We'll end it on a higher note probably then, on a happier note. Okay. Um, For me, it's 
we're in our late 20s now, and so I don't even know what I asked for or any of the gift-giving stuff. And really, I'm not the best gift-getter either. Um, actually, I think I flip-flopped them. Anyways, I'm not that excited about presents, either giving them or receiving them. It's really just another great chance to be with everybody. Um, you don't realize it, and I don't want to sound like Grandpa in a rocking chair, but if we have, I know we have some younger fans. You don't realize how difficult it is to get all of your family together once you get once you get older and we're all adults now we all have jobs we live in different spots there's like you can count on one hand the number of times we're all in the same spot in a year and uh, christmas is one of those and it's one of the coolest times the lights are cool uh, a lot of fun stuff going on so just being around everybody i don't care what we do if it's fun if it's not fun it's just uh one of those rare times a year that become increasingly uh, more important as you get older yeah, I think you nailed it on the head. I don't know what else I can add to that. But, uh, I, yeah, I mean, just, just the relaxing times when you're just sitting around kind of with your family members and just around the Christmas tree with a drink or whatever, just talking, I think that's the best time. So whether it's Christmas Eve or, you know, Christmas morning, whatever, it's all good. Yeah, absolutely. All right, mine is far less sentimental than that. We watch a lot of Christmas TV specials. I know you said which is overrated, but simple. Which is your favorite, movie, TV show? What Christmas special is your favorite? Ooh, I think I'm going to have to go with the classic Grinch cartoon as my mm. favorite one. Mm-hmm. Um, although I, I do like the movie. I know a lot of people aren't high on the Jim Carrey movie. I do like that, too. But there's something about the Grinch and that classic cartoon. is. I think it's like the, the one I can remember the most from my childhood, so I think that's my favorite. Yeah, that's a really good one. Um, I think... I, People probably don't know it as much anymore, but I think my favorite is still the Garfield Christmas special. Yeah, that's a great one. It's so good. They used to have it on TV until maybe 2000, 2001. Uh, We have a tape where we taped a whole bunch of uh, Christmas programs in the early 90s, and so we just watch it off of that for years and years. But that one's just really fun. If you like Garfield at all, it's just such a a good, uh, uh, fun show and uh, very quotable uh, if you're (laughs) ever around us at Christmas time. So it's uh, just kind of a fun thing, and uh, I like that one. But the Grinch is almost a tie there. Ooh, shout-out to Muppets Christmas Carol for me, too. That's that's right there. That's 1A. Oh, yeah, that one's really good, too. The Mickey Christmas Carol I've really grown to love, too. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. All right, so that ends Christmas Crossfire, and I hope uh, you all have a very good Christmas. Uh, I just have some other notes that I wanted to discuss before we talk about Packers-Lions. I wanted to bring this up last week, but I forgot about it, and that's that uh, Packers great Fuzzy Thurston died uh, last week. And I uh, just wanted to say that the, that's sad news, another one of them Lombardi greats. I actually drove by his supper club on Saturday and uh, kind of was reminded by it. And he had been in bad health for some time, but, you know, it's it's kind of a reminder while we're in the sentimental holiday spirit uh, if if you're a Packer fan um, and you have any chance to meet any of these Lombardi-era guys, you really should do it. I mean, they're very representative of a past bygone era of football and a very exciting uh, time for the Packers, but also for the state of Wisconsin. And, uh, uh, Matt, I know you got a chance to meet Bart Starr a while back. Yeah, I've met quite a few of those guys. Uh, I met Bart Starr just recently. It was right before his health kind of took a turn, so I was glad I got to meet him. I had never done that. Uh, I met Paul Horning a couple of times, which was which was exciting. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it, like you said, it's it's just something. If you're a Packer fan and you like to look into the history like we do, and I think like most fans do, if you get the chance to shake one of their hands, it's really exciting because you see all this old footage of them when they're in their prime and young and, and just, you know, winning trophies and awards. And um, and now to see them now, it's just kind of something special about that. 
And by Met Paul Horning, Matt means served him food at Culver's, if I'm not uh, mistaken. Right? I did do that. I did meet him one other time, <laughs> oh, though, okay. as well, where he was not ordering a chocolate milkshake. Okay. <laughs> okay. I, so you're not actually just counting that as a meeting. So you had a, a more official one later, huh? Correct, yep. Okay. Because otherwise I met Jermichael Finley at Famous Dave's when he walked past me and I, like, froze in my steps. <laughs> <laughs> well, I used to work at a sports bar in Green Bay as where a lot of the, it was, Greg Jennings was the sponsor, so he used oh. to bring down a bunch of Packers, and I got to meet briefly and like talk to like him and Donald Driver and and a bunch of those receivers, and nice. I served Colin Jenkins drinks one time. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, it was fun. Well, I'm gonna one up you here right now, and although Do I it. there's a reasonably good chance that in February I'm gonna meet Leroy Butler. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah, so but I don't want to talk too much because now it won't happen, but I, <laughs> I, I, I hope I'm, it does. On my end, in my wife's first date, we sat next to Mason Crosby. She was sitting right next to him. Oh, nice. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Weren't you uh, <laughs> in the same uh, vicinity of Larry McCarron when he went off on a big Brett Favre rant, too? Yes, and I had Larry McCarron once angrily yell my name. Maybe I can tell this story really quick. It's kind <laughs> yeah, of funny. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we went to the Larry McCarron show, me and a couple of college buddies, and they have these boxes out front that you put your name into to, for their drawings, for their signed Packer things, and... After I dropped my name in, I realized I put it in the kids' box. And, <laughs> and you were I like 20 at the time, I, right? What's that? I said you were like 20 at the time, Yeah, right? I was like 24 or something, 23 or 24, <laughs> something like that at the time. So I was like, oh, well, I probably won't get picked, whatever. And I looked in the box, and there's literally three names in the box. <laughs> and we got there like right before the, before the show started. So I'm still like, okay, it's still only like a 33% chance my name gets drawn. And, of course, he's like, we're going to do the drawings, picks out of the kid's box first, and, and yells, Matt McLean. <laughs> and I'm just like, I'm sitting just quietly in my seat, and he kind of got angry about it, too. He's like, Matt McLean, where are you? <laughs> he's like yelling as loud as he could, so if somebody heard, he's like, oh, whatever, he's not here. So he drew another name, and I, I probably could have gone up there, but I was too embarrassed to <laughs> say that I won out of the kid's box and won a drawing, so I just let it go. You probably would have got to earn your autograph, though. Come on. <laughs> I felt like he would have gotten more mad once he saw me come up there after winning the kids' prize. Well, I don't have a cool experience like that, but my guess why he is that angry is because the only time I went to the Larry McCarran show, a buddy of mine went, uh, a buddy of mine and I went, and we were in line up by Curly's and uh, or whatever the Legends Hall. You can order alcohol uh, at night for the game or for the the TV show. And there is one line where everybody's in, and then there's another tap that nobody's using. And Larry gets his own tap. He walks right up. He ordered, like, some kind of uh, Captain and Coke or whatever. I saw him, like, chug, like, a third of it. And then he went back to the stage, and he hid it behind one of the little logos on the stage. So I suspect he's having a, a, a really good time doing that show. <laughs> Probably. But with all that being said, I love Larry McCarron, and he's awesome. And, and um, listening to his radio highlights is one of the highlights of every Sunday for the Packers. So, uh, Larry, we're not making fun of you. We're in awe of you. You're the man. Yeah, he's the best. All right, so let's talk about Packers-Lions. And this game is very scary to me. Um, as we said earlier in the show, or maybe I didn't say that early in the show, but um, I don't believe... There's, a, or there's no reason to believe why the Lions can't shut down this Packers offense again. They're number one against the run. They're number two overall in defense. And uh, the way Aaron Rodgers is playing and potentially playing a little gimpy on a, on a injured calf really makes me nervous. So um, with that being said, Matt, what are, what are your thoughts going into this? 
Yeah, I, I think I like the Packers because they're at home, but I'm completely uncertain about that, this as well. It seems like they keep getting these games at the end of the year to win the North or for significant seeding changes, and they, they keep seeming to pull them out. And this seems like one where you just might not do that. Because, I mean, like you said, their defense is so good. Rodgers is banged up, and it's not played well the last couple of weeks, too. So it's super hard to turn it on, even though you're at home. How do you just turn it on like that against a really good defense and score a bunch of points? So I don't have a lot of confidence in the Lions' offense. Maybe that's why I'm still picking the Packers. But, man, I'll pick the Packers in a low-scoring game, but I'm not confident about that at all. Yeah, I agree with everything you said, obviously. Um this is going to be a really tough one, and at some point, you think that streak has to end. I mean, it began when you and I were four years old, that streak of losing in Wisconsin for the uh, for the Lions, but I just hope it's not this year. I, I hope it can be one of those meaningless Week 17 games where we have Craig Nall or Matt Flynn playing. I really yeah. I don't want to lose it yet. It's going to be tough, and Aaron Rodgers is going to have to play way better than he did the last couple of weeks, but I like our defense. I think it's getting better. If they can force a turnover or two and get that crowd behind them, I think they can do it. Um, We'll talk about that no matter what happens next week. But to me, the more scarier prospect is if you beat Detroit and then you come back in 13 days and have to play Detroit again. Um, (laughs) That becomes a scary prospect. But I think they're going to win. I think we're going to hear some back in the high life again to start next week's show. And uh, hopefully uh, the Packers can win another title. Four titles in a row. Man, that would be incredible. I know we've me mostly has moaned and complained about this team not being at a Super Bowl level when we expect them to but as far as a playoff participation level this team is at an unprecedented level of success right now and uh, hopefully we can continue that at least for one more Sunday Uh, I guess I would like to say before we leave um, you can always interact with us on the Facebook page that's Green and Gold Forever Podcast on Facebook Uh, you can tweet at me which a lot more people have been doing that's at Green Gold Forever that's the number four on Twitter and right before we sign off actually uh, Corey Bend one of our great fans uh, did remark on uh, the podcast uh, Facebook page and said He thinks that the Packers will beat Detroit handily this week. Uh, Despite our identical records, our point differential is 79 points better than theirs. We're probably stuck with the two seed because I doubt the Rams uh, are going to come through with us. And then he breaks down the uh, potential playoff seedings. And so, Corey, just for time purposes, I'm not going to get into that, but I I hope you're right. You are much more... um, optimistic than I am and I think you're right I think the Packers are a better team I don't think there's much dispute in that but you got to beat them Uh, that's oh you know that's why they play the games you can be better than a lot of teams but you still got to go out and beat them and I guess that's where maybe Matt and I are hung up am I right yeah I mean give me the season side by side the Packers have been the better team and I think they are overall the better team it's just this matchup is scary and they just haven't been playing good enough right now lately to Make me feel too confident that they can beat that defense. So mm-hmm. I, I like his I like his optimism, and I think he's going to be right in the long run. I think they win this game, but it's it's going to be so tough. Yeah, it'll be a tough one, uh, but it'll probably be a good one. Um, and that, lastly, it, you're sitting around decompressing from the holidays. You can listen to the Green and Gold Forever preview on KZ Radio. That's 92.9 in Appleton and the Fox Cities. That's 104.3 in Green Bay and anywhere in the entire world at mykzradio.com. And uh, usually we break down the game in two different segments, but this week we're going to make fun of the Lions and um, – reference all the things that have happened since the Lions last won at Lambeau Field, which will be fun. Because now that Christmas is over, we can 
once again make fun of those who are less fortunate, right? <laughs> That's right. All right. Um, Matt, we'll see you in a couple days. I'm real excited about that. And uh, we'll – gosh, Christmas Eve is just – what? Two what? days away? Yeah, 30-plus hours away, so that's pretty exciting, huh? Yes, sir. <laughs> All right. So, <laughs> um, everybody out there, I want you to have a Merry Christmas and a very happy holiday season, and uh, be safe. And uh, hopefully we'll talk to you after some Steve Winwood and after another Green Bay Packers division championship. So for Matt out in Altoona, I am Eric in Oshkosh. Happy holidays and take care.